This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, the wait is over. Tonight, Liverpool kick off the new Premier League season at home to Norwich City. We've only had to wait nine weeks, four days, 22 hours and three minutes since the full-time whistle blew in Madrid. But hey, who's been counting? I'm Guy Clark. Welcome to Behind Enemy Lines as kick-off to the new campaign draws ever closer. Over the course of the next half hour or so, we'll get the inside scoop on the visitors to Anfield on day one, Norwich City. We'll find out the impact former Liverpool Academy scout Stuart Webber's had with the Canaries as they've taken flight under the stewardship of Daniel Farker to return to the Premier League after a three-year absence. We'll get an insight into their summer dealings with Ibrahim Amadou added to their ranks on loan from Sevilla in the past 48 hours, as well as their danger men and players to watch out for. Giving us all that information and more here on the Blood Red channel is freelance journalist, commentator and broadcaster Stuart Hodge, who keeps an ear to the ground at Carrow Road. Stuart, welcome. Yeah, um, despite the accent maybe being a bit misleading in some ways, Guy, uh, I used to be the club commentator down in Norwich and... I've kind of become uh, sort of from afar. I'm back in Scotland now, but obviously follow the Canaries very closely. Um, usually if there's any story linking the Canaries and, and Scotland in some way, so Kenny McLean, um, there was the discussions about David Turnbull going from Motherwell to Norwich, all, all of that sort of stuff. I'm sort of the bespoke kind of Norwich City, Scotland guy at the moment. But yeah, um, I contribute to a lot of the local papers down there, appear on various different channels, BBC and such. And um, I've still got quite strong contacts at the club as well. So, so finger on the pulse somewhat, I would say. And in terms of Norwich City, set for an eighth season in the Premier League after being relegated three years ago in 2016, but it seems to feel and look from the outside like a very different Norwich City these days. Oh, I mean, it's night and day. Uh, and that's not just the, the football team, that's the, the club as a whole. Norwich City have transformed in that time. Uh, I mean, the training ground's totally different now. Uh, I mean, in terms of tangible changes, there's a lot that you can see, but also the ethos behind the club is is completely different. Stuart Webber's come in, obviously from Huddersfield Town, managed to, to he was the architect of the team that, that, that got up uh, to the Premier League um, with, with them. And he's done something similar to Norwich. He's built a team which, and, and his aim is to build a club that is essentially self-financing, self-sustaining. And Norwich City haven't done a great deal of business this summer in terms of incomings. But if you notice what they have done is they've tied down all of their key assets down to major long-term contracts. And that's with the idea that if eventually they do feel that they want to try something else out, teams are going to have to pay a pretty penny to prize any of Norwich City's key assets away. And that's been the ethos behind the thing, has been to to make sure that the club is self-sustaining. Also, in terms of the atmosphere around the club, there's no sort of big-time Charlies or anything like that. It's a very, very cohesive uh, unit, the the squad. And um, around the club, there seems to be a real camaraderie. And I think that if you watch any of the footage of when Norwich City's promotion and, and the league title was clinched last year, there didn't seem to be any egos about it. It was just everyone enjoying it. And, and there was a real sense of unity there. And I think that's going to stand Norwich in good stead this coming season. 
And we'll get into threats that they may pose to Liverpool, the, the sort of top end of the pitch. But before we sort of concentrate on the coming season, I think it right to pay service to last season. Won the championship, scored 93 mm-hmm. goals along the way. I think only Man City in the top four tiers actually scored more goals. So they obviously know the route to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a team that was... Last season, very much built to attack, to get at teams to play an entertaining and and cavalier style of football. But I think you'll see a Norwich City team that is more tactically flexible. What Norwich did last season um, is, for the most part, they were able to play one way and and get all the goals they needed. That said, Norwich City were the architects last season of so, so many late comebacks. And that was partly because Daniel Farka, even quite late in games, would make changes and they would have an effect. Uh, Tactically, he would maybe sometimes go with three and four up front, just trying to to get the ball forward and score goals. And it worked time and time again. This season, Norwich City, I don't think there's there's any um, sort of illusions with with Daniel Farka at all. Uh, I think he knows he's going to have to sometimes play in a bit more of a conservative style in the season to come. And I think some of City's summer acquisitions have been with that in mind. Uh, so last season, yeah, very free-flowing, very entertaining, um, looking to get at teams. And I think Norwich will still do that this season, but I think they'll pick and choose their times a little bit more. And mentioning that sort of playing on the front foot style, it did see did did lead to goals going in the other end. I mean, of the 46 games in the Championship Norwich played, looking at the stats, it says 150 goals were involved in that, 93-4, 57 against. I'm <laughs> sure that's that's going to be an area, you mentioned that tech, tactical flexibility that is surely going to be looked at to, to shore up and tighten this season. Yeah, uh, I've got a theory in my head uh, which is no more than that. There's no more substance behind it than that. But sometimes you get a little inkling of, of the direction things might go in. I think Norwich may well play three centre-backs quite a bit this season in, in games where they're expecting to have to soak up a lot of pressure. And I think one thing you could level at Norwich is you could say they've got quite an inexperienced back line. But if you looked at it last season, two of their most experienced defenders in Grant Hanley and Tim Closer spent most of the time in the bench because Christoph Zimmerman and Ben Godfrey had the jerseys. That could be the case this season. And Daniel Fark is very much kind of old-fashioned in the sense that if the team's winning, he's not going to change it up too much. But Norwich City do have defensive quality in the wings as well that could come in. And I expect Tim Closer in particular to be absolutely vital in the campaign to come. Yeah, you could say it's, it's obviously a worry having conceded that many goals last season. But I think there's... There's enough at play in Norwich City's squad that, I mean, I, you're probably going to get to this question, but I'm I'm not going into the season with apprehension. I'm going into the season with a sense of excitement. And just on the point of Norwich, I suppose, coming into the Premier League, do they need to change their style of play? We've seen sides in the past who have decided not to. You think of Blackpool didn't work for them. Swansea didn't change their style, stayed up for a number of years, as have Bournemouth currently. But having enjoyed so much of the ball in the Premier League, they might not find that the same way or are they going to continue to sort of play with those same principles? And as you say, just coming into the league, fans will obviously be excited, but the team, are they just going to take it in their stride or is there going to be that pragmatism to make sure that they obviously don't go back down? I don't think they're going to start parking the bus, 
But I think what they will do is against Man City away from home, I don't think they're necessarily going to go and try and get right at the heart of Man City. I think it's going to be a more tactically aware, methodical kind of approach. And I think that's in keeping with Daniel Farkas. The way he sort of operates as a manager is is to, to, to try and suss teams out and to try and play in the best way that will we'll try and get you the result. But it's always going to be with a mind of when we get the ball, we will attack, we will try and play some nice football. Because Norwich City don't have the sort of lump of a striker. Obviously, Dermich is, is a bit of a different option brought in this summer. But they don't have the sort of traditional, yeah, let's just lump it up to the six foot five striker, get him to hold it up and get bodies to, to chase up behind them. That wouldn't be Norwich playing to their strengths. There seems to be this misapprehension still persisting in, in British football where, yeah, if, if you're a team that, that's going to be under the cosh, then you need that outlet of the big striker. There's other ways you can relieve pressure in the modern game. And I think Norwich City are quite a sort of forward-thinking, modern setup in terms of the way that they operate tactically. So I think you'll see that come to the fore this year. I think you'll see flexibility, but I don't think you're going to see, as I say, parking the bus pragmatic, let's just try and hold out for a nil-nil. That's not the way this team will play, and this team wouldn't be successful trying to do that. And from last season, you mentioned before the amount of late goals, 23 in the final 10 minutes of games last season. Oh, nice one. Yeah, that, Where did you pull that from, yeah. guy? That's excellent. Just off the top of my head. But in terms of Norwich City, I think Liverpool fans, when you think back to Norwich's last stay in the Premier League, a game you more than likely covered, the, the 5-4 at Carrow Road that in stoppage time was absolutely crazy. And it seems as though last season that was something Norwich really embraced. Yeah, I remember Jurgen Klopp lost his glasses in a melee at the end. Uh, at the end of that one, um, it was Stephen Naismith's debut as well. And I remember everyone thought, "Oh yeah, Naismith's going to go on and have a really good Norwich City career." Didn't actually work out for for Naismith at Norwich City, um, and in the end up, he never really sort of built in that early promise in in that game. Yeah, that was a crazy game. And I think with both of these teams, do you know what? Football being football, it could be like one of those nil-nil cancelling each other out, late goal type of affairs. That's the irony of the thing. But I think these are two teams that are very entertaining. I think with it being the opening game of the season and there being a bit of excitement about it, I think don't think Norwich will be quite as sort of cavalier and, as they might have been in the Championship last year. But I don't think they'll be scared of trying to get at Liverpool because... Liverpool are going to be able to, to threaten them. So they're going to have to have a threat of their own that they can carry um, themselves. So I think it's going to be a really entertaining style between two two of my favourite teams to watch, I'll be honest. And we'll get on to the manager, Daniel Farker, because that's obviously two former Borussia Dortmund men up against one another in the dugout. But before that, look above him. You mentioned Stuart Webber before, a man who's obviously got connections to Liverpool, having been part of the recruitment team um, back end of the, the, the noughties and into the early 2010s. But he's a guy who, since leaving Liverpool and obviously going to Huddersfield, forming that partnership with David Wagner, has really built himself, uh, I suppose, in the British game, a bit of a niche of being a sporting director that's actually brought success. Yeah, well, this is the, the problem with the British game. I, I wrote an article... Um, which I didn't actually manage. Now, I'm a freelance journalist. Any freelance journalist will tell you um, that sometimes trying to place an article can be the hardest thing, especially if you're a little bit ahead of the game. And I wrote a piece in 2014 about the role of the sporting director and how we were going to see that sort of come to the fore in Britain in the years to come. 
uh, wasn't able to get it published. I spoke to Damien Camoli, who was one of the people that Stuart worked with um, at Liverpool. And uh, I can remember thinking then, wow, we are so behind the times in this country in terms of understanding that role and how it works. Because if you look at the rest of Europe, you look at Germany, you look at Spain, um, France, Italy, you look at all of the other major countries in Europe, then there has been the sort of hierarchical um, structure at a football club where you'll have president, you'll have sporting director, then you'll have the head coach. That is the sort of standard setup at major clubs around Europe. In Britain, we still had that sort of old kind of idea that you would have the, the chairman slash managing director type figure and then the manager. And that would be it. So you think of like David Gill and, and Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, that kind of setup. And that has persisted in Britain a lot longer than it has across the rest of Europe. What Stuart Webber's done is he is the first person from these shows that has managed to go out and just essentially execute this role in the way that has been done across the rest of Europe for a long, long time now. And that's because Stuart's an astute figure. He's got a very good eye for a player. He understands a club culture and how to implement that. And he's come to Norwich City. He's done all of those things. And Stuart, I know Stuart personally quite well, he's said that the, the one thing that Norwich have allowed him to do is they've allowed him to do his job. And you can see what a good job he's done. Uh, he's built that squad on what many people say was a relative shoestring um, and got them out of the championship. If you look at all of the old sort of rules that people used to say for, for getting a team out of the championship. Yeah, you need good, experienced championship players. You need sort of a, a big, tall goal scorer. You need all of these sort of cliches of ideas of what it takes to get out of the championship. Norwich City ripped up that rule book last season and did it a totally different way. And I think they're going to go into the Premier League. Everyone's looking at how little money spent compared to what's been brought in. Uh, this summer and they're thinking, yeah, Norwich are going to go straight back down, no chance. That's not going to happen because there's a good enough squad there that's been built through a combination of bringing through academy players, which they've done quite well, especially in the full-back positions in particular. They've got experience in key areas and then they've got a little bit of sparkle in places up front and I think that's going to be enough for Norwich and Stuart is the brainchild of all of that. Um, and as I say, the other big aspect is the club culture. It's that sense of cohesion. When I spoke to him at the start of the summer about was there going to be a lot of business, he says, no, we're not going to turn over the squad. One, I think these guys deserve the chance to show that they can, can operate in the Premier League and it would be unfair not to give them that. Obviously, there are some areas that the Norwich have reinforced, but it's not, it's not been a major overhaul like, say, Aston Villa have done where they've spent tons of money. Um, and the other thing that Stuart said is, well, I'm not going to bring in anyone that's going to upset the the camaraderie and the dressing room atmosphere that we've got here, because that is the foundation of what this is all built upon. And that seems to be, for me, the magic that Norwich City have produced, is bringing in a quality of player that suits the system that they play, and in terms of personalities, the group all complement each other. And that's a combination of Stuart and Daniel getting their heads together and, and managing to build something. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
We best talk about the summer signings then. Four major ones when you look at it. The goalkeeper from Schalke, Patrick Roberts on loan from Manchester City. The goalkeeper, Ralph Farman, has also come in on loan from Schalke. And then you've got Sam Byram picked up for less than a million pounds from West Ham United. And Josip Dermich, the Swiss forward who's come on a free from Mönchengladbach. And last time Norwich picked up a striker on a free, it didn't turn out too bad, did it? <laughs> that's very true. No Puki, no party. That's what they say. Um, yeah, Timo Puki, I think everyone was surprised by just how well he did. But um, I remember saying to Stuart, uh, th- this was at the start of last season, I said, Timo Puki, Stuart, are you sure? Um, came to Celtic, didn't really sort of do it over here. Uh, are you sure this is the right one? And he said to me, he says, well, if you actually look at his goals to minute ratio at Celtic, it's pretty good. And he was playing in the left wing quite a lot. And he was right. And lo and behold, Timo Puki was was fantastic last season. Um, but yeah, in terms of who's been brought in, Furman has been brought in as a goalkeeper just to provide competition and experience there. Um, that if something happens to Tim Crow. You can bring in a goalkeeper that's got a bit of Champions League and Bundesliga experience, obviously. So that's going to be strong. Um, with Dermich, it's about having a different option up front, I think. Uh, he offers that. He's um, an experienced international striker. Before he had injury problems, he was, he was a pretty handy striker in the Bundesliga as well. So, yeah, I think he's going to be an asset for... Norwich City and he'll offer them an option uh, this season so that if Norwich are, are in games sort of late on where they need a goal um, which was was the case last season as well quite a bit but um, could well be that there may be a goal behind looking to scratch out a draw late in a game uh, in the Premier League this season Dermot will give them that option that they can go a bit more direct if, if they look to do that. Patrick Roberts is a really interesting one. He's a player that had a difficult year on loan at Girona last season in Spain, but uh, at Celtic, over the course of a few years there, under Brendan Rodgers, was sparkling when he was playing, coming in off the right wing. And when he first emerged at Fulham, people were really, really excited about this kid and thought, yeah, I mean, future England international, real, real quality player. At Celtic, he showed flashes of that. Again, a few injury problems there. But I think this is a chance for Patrick Roberts to sort of prove the doubters wrong and, and prove that he belongs in the Premier League. And a lot of players that are on Man City's books, even if they're not playing for Man City, are pretty handy players. And Roberts comes into that category. I think if he can steer clear of injury, I'm really excited um, about the, the different dimension that he can bring to Norwich City's attack because I think they've got good players playing in the wide positions and sort of number 10 role, but Roberts is a different option entirely. They didn't have that left-footed option, particularly one that could cut inside off the right, and I think I think that's going to be really good for Norwich. Sam Byram, um, another aspect of the way Stuart's head works is with regards to value. So he'll say to himself, right, can I bring in value? Um, it's not necessarily going to be someone that's maybe going to benefit our first team right away or whatever. If you look at Norwich as well, they've made a lot of signings for their under-21 and the, their sort of lower-aged um, group teams this this season. That's, that's an area that they've really bolstered this summer quite aggressively compared to the first team where it's been more sort of picking and choosing. 
Byram, I think, is another one of those. You can remember when he came through at Leeds, people were thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be another one of these fullbacks that comes from the lower leagues and really establishes himself in the Premier League, becomes a 10, 20 million pound player, whatever. Never quite happened for him. So Norwich City have managed to get him at a cut price. They've got a player that's hungry to prove himself and, and has a point to prove. And if something does happen to Max Ahrens or someone comes in with a crazy bid for him, then they've got someone that is, is capable of, of playing on that right side. And that was one of the areas in the sort of, if you look at the chart of Norwich City squads, um, that that there, there was a requirement just to get another body in that could play in that right fullback role if need be. And in Byram, they've got someone who will be hungry to prove himself. So, yeah, that, that kind of... I think that's basically the methodology behind all of those summer signings for Norwich. Yeah, you mentioned that seems to be more supplementing the squad because what is already there is a, a, a young core, a young framework that other players can be pieced into other than Puki, who is sort of mid-20s onwards in his career. You've got that back four that three of the four of them, 21 or younger, Jamal Lewis and Max Ahrens, the two fullbacks, and Max Ahrens, of course, getting a lot of attention through the summer, as has Ben Godfrey at times, but Ahrens signing that new five-year deal, just sort of a signal of intent, I suppose, of the club wanting to keep him. Yeah, Norwich have tied down loads and loads of players to long deals this summer. Emiliano Buendia, who is, in my opinion, a potential Argentina Argentina, Argentina international, easy for me to say. Um, Emi Buendia is a fabulous player and everyone's going to be, it's, it's that usual sort of ignorance. Oh yeah, he's playing in the championship, nobody knows about him when he's in the Premier League. Oh wow, he's a great player. That's what's going to happen with Emi Buendia this season. Unless he gets some sort of injury that keeps him out of the team, Emi Buendia is a fabulous football player. And Emi Buendia could compete for a jersey at Liverpool. That's how good he is. Um, and he's another one they've tied down to a long-term deal. Max Ahrens, um, I mean, you, you could list them. Zimmerman's got a, a new deal. and There's lots of players that have been tied down. That has been Norwich City's... That's the bulk of what Stuart Webber's been doing this summer. And I think, in particularly in Buendia and Ahrens, they've probably secured themselves the guts of, if not more than, 100 million quid's worth in profit in years to come by getting those players tied down long term. And that's been, as, as you say, that is that young group of players, that sort of framework that, that has been built around. But there's also the lasting legacy of, if they do eventually go, Norwich City aren't going to to be losing them for a pittance. They're going to be assuring themselves of major, major profit. And bear in mind the position that Norwich City were in last summer. The season before, James Madison was the standout player in the squad by a country mile and had been sold to Leicester for a club record fee. Now, at the start of that season, where he he sparkled and, and emerged to the fore, Stuart Weber tied him down on a four-year contract. And I asked him that summer, I said, Stuart, what do you think is the best bit of business you've done this summer? He said, getting Madders tied down in the long-term deal. And that's absolutely right. It proved very true because he essentially was the, the fulcrum of, of Norwich's entire season and then went on and moved on for a club record fee. Stuart, again, has tied down all of the key assets to long-term deals and Norwich City aren't going to lose these players without getting a lot of money back in return. That's the way that this club operates now. And I think this exciting young squad is going to turn a few heads this season. 
Yeah, word on Buendia for those listening. He uh, second most assists in the championship last season. So for fantasy football, after obviously taking on Liverpool, and what is on paper perhaps a bit of a tough start for Norwich, he's worth keeping in the back of the mind to uh, to put in as the uh, fixtures perhaps ease off in intensity for Norwich. But you mentioned they're losing James Madison, yet still winning promotion. We spoke an awful lot about how Stuart Webber's built the club. But the man who's then taken the reins as manager, first foreign manager, obviously, if you discard Chris Hutton being from the Republic of Ireland, Daniel Farker came in from Germany. Not much known about him at all. Big burly man, very softly spoken. And despite winning only one of the first five last season, still won the league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I'll tell you what, there was a few people, myself included, who remained to be convinced in the early stages of last season by Daniel Farker. But what he did is he he had a sort of long-term idea of how he wanted to do things. In that first season he came in, he kept doing double and triple sessions with the players to build fitness up. So what you found last season is one of the reasons that Norwich City scored an absolute barrel load of late goals was due to those extra fitness sessions. They would just keep running and running and running and they would never run out of energy. That was down to what the Farker had done the year before getting all of these players doing all of those triple sessions and and that sort of thing. And I think the key thing about Daniel Farka is he never wavered in his um, belief of how the team should play or his tactical sort of knowledge of the game. He always trusted that. Even when other people were beginning to sort of waver with it, he, he began to trust it. Yeah, so he continued to trust it. And I think that's... That's been the key for him there. Just on Buendia, by the way, I've got a little stat to throw at you as well. Do you know he made the most tackles in the championship last year? And he's an attacking midfield player. Which, there's a couple of things there. One, it shows you the hunger and tenacity that Buendia himself has got. But also shows you a tactical aspect of Norwich's game is winning possession high up the field. Uh, and giving themselves a platform to launch an, an instant dangerous attack from. And that's something that I think if they can continue to do that in the Premier League, then it will hurt teams. Um, but on the subject of Farka, uh, I spoke to Ingle Prowse, who is the Stuart Webber equivalent, the sporting director at Borussia Dortmund's second team, Borussia Dortmund 2, which is, is where Farka was plucked from. And uh, he described Farka as a guy who was, was a methodical thinker of the game um, and good at communicating his ideas to his players. And I think that was proven last season by just, just the way that Norwich City responded in a variety of situations. And eventually won. I mean, it got to, I think, February last year. And I said, Norwich are going to go up no problem. Everyone around me sort of probably longer term Norwich City tenure than, than me as fans sort of thinking, oh, no, we've seen this before. We'll collapse at the last, blah, blah, blah. I said, no chance. This team is far too good. We're probably going to win the league. And if we don't, we'll finish second. And so it proved. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to Farka. Farka, what impressed me about Farka is he never, he never wavered. He always had that unerring belief in what he was doing. Uh, and he never really seemed too distracted by any of the noise. Neither did Stuart Webber, by the way. Even when Norwich City lost three of their, their first five or six games last season and, and were, were beginning to worry about a relegation fight, some of the fans, um, they, they still stayed true to the course. And Norwich City, I don't think they lost, I think they lost three games between September and the end of the season, which and when you consider the volume of matches you play in the Championship is frankly remarkable. 
the way you obviously talk about Norwich City, the way the club's been built, very methodical, very nice and how it's been put together. But will they not come to a bite in the Premier League where obviously if the club is suffering a few defeats in the first four fixtures, if you look at them, Liverpool away, Newcastle at home, Chelsea at home, West Ham away. It is a tough start for them. But is, is it a case of what is the expectation this season? Is it to stay up or is it just to continue to build the club how it is and whether they stay in the Premier League, they have more money to build and if they don't, they're well equipped to, to bounce back? Right. Who, whose expectation are you asking about? Are you asking about the supporters or are you asking about um, in terms of the, the people at the club? Both, to be honest, because the way you obviously speak about the club is they perhaps won't hang a hat on saying this is the definitive expectation, whereas we all know supporters, you offer a Norwich City fan 17th place on the final day and I'm sure they'd snap your hand off, wouldn't they? Mm, I think I think most of them, most of the more sensible ones would, but unfortunately, Norwich City have lived in a strange bubble ever since Paul Lambert took the club to the, the sort of the heady heights of Premier League mid-table with a squad which arguably should have been a mid-table championship squad playing well, well above itself at that time. Uh, There's been a slight distortion in in fans' expectations versus what is realistic for Norwich City, in my opinion. Um, If you look at Norwich City traditionally, they're essentially a kind of yo-yo club between the bottom of the Premier League, sort of top end of the championship. Um, And... I think that's the. I mean, that's that's Norwich City's perpetual state, unless some Qatari backer comes in and and you know <laughs> life transforms that way. But um, I think if you ask people around the club, I don't think they'll have an expectation for this season. I think their expectation will be to go out and enjoy the season and essentially see where they are. Um, and I think that I think it will just be a case of suck it and see. That will be the way that a, a lot of people inside the club will be looking at it. But I think there will be a quiet confidence um, and a sort of a certain element of steel there, where they'll think, you know what, we could do fine this season. Um, I think a lot of Norwich City fans will be after the the sort of the joy of of winning the title last year, the style with which it was executed. Will be expecting the club to do fairly decently this season, and as you mentioned, clubs like Bournemouth who have gone up and and stuck with something that's working and and, and just kept at it and managed to managed to, to stay true to their ideals of, of the football that they play and continue to succeed. And I think Norwich City fans will be hoping that the club can continue to do that um, in in this coming season. Don't think anyone around the club will set an expectation, as I say. Um, I think fans will expect the team to be successful. But I, I think a, a few fans are actually expecting Norwich to stay clear of a relegation scrap. And me personally, I think Norwich will finish anywhere between about sort of 14th and 17th. I, I, don't, I don't see the club going down. And 8 o'clock, of course, the Premier League season kicks off away at Anfield against the might of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. It's some game to Brilliant. come into, some baptism of fire, but... With this young squad that Daniel Farker's built that has defied all expectation against them, it seems as though it's a game that they'll probably quite relish. Well, that's it. I don't think Norwich City are going to go into games with fear this season because it's not as if there's any pressure on them. There was no pressure on them really last season to go up, yet they managed it. They won the title. Um, this season, and I mean, I know it's very easy to say there's no pressure at the start of the season. Obviously, if you are then involved in a relegation, scrap points become precious. 
um, towards the end of the campaign. But an opener, you can't ask better than an opener at Anfield. I mean, that's that's just that's perfect for Norwich. They can go out and acquit themselves, show what they're all about. I expected to be an entertaining game and Norwich to maybe lose it late on, but hopefully put in a performance that gives them confidence going into the next three or four games. And I think if Norwich can come away from the first maybe sort of seven or eight games with about the same number of points, then that, that then I think they're they're sort of well equipped to go and have a half decent campaign because it'll be about getting those two or three results in the bounce. Uh, maybe if they can get two or three wins in the bounce a couple of times during the season um, and pick up points here and there elsewhere, then I think Norwich City are going to be fine. And I think a combination of the quality that the club has, which I think a lot of people in the Premier League under undervalue at this point in time. Um, I think there's a lot of players that at the end of this season that, that we're heading into, I think Norwich City will have clubs queuing up for a number of players in that squad. Maybe even in January, there will be a few that, that will be the subject of big, big money bids, especially with the, the fact that football finances have gone absolutely crazy in recent years particularly in the Premier League. But I think a combination of the quality in the squad, the atmosphere and camaraderie around the group and the people who are in charge, um, both off the field in terms of the culture and Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker, who's proven himself to be a tactically flexible and um, quite intelligent manager, I think Norwich are going to be fine. Even in the season where Madison was the main man and, and the team was was sort of relative mid-table obscurity in the championship. There was the cup games against Arsenal and Chelsea. And I think those matches showed that Norwich City's style, which obviously worked in the championship in the season just gone there, even the season before, the style that Norwich City were trying to play was more of a style that was going to be successful in the Premier League as opposed to the Championship. So I think Norwich City are coming up playing a style of football that is already Premier League ready. And I think that's going to be massive for the club this season. Well, Stuart, if that hasn't whetted the appetite for kickoff, I don't know what will. Thanks a lot for your time. Great to uh, to chat with you here on Blood Red. Thank you very much for having us on. And I, I love what Jurgen Klopp's doing at Liverpool as well. So I would love nothing better than to see the Reds finally end their title wait this season coming. Stuart Hodge, freelance commentator, broadcaster and journalist, giving us all we need to know on the Canaries ahead of kickoff. If you want to get more from Stuart, you can find him on Twitter at HodgieTheHack. Well, that for now is all we have here on the Blood Red channel, but later on tonight we'll be back with post-game, giving you instant reaction from Ian Doyle, from Jurgen Klopp's press conference and from you, the fans, on tonight's game. So do join us then. Until then, though, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.